0: There's a massive steel stein sitting on the desk of a massive mahogany desk, fashioned in the front as if it were a tavern bar. A chair sits in front of them. As our camera pans around, we see a gnome, not large enough to have his feet even dangle when his back is against the chair. A large brute of a man walks into the room, an air of divinity surrounding him. He looks at Truxton, and he says... Oh boy, you lot just have taken to dying here recently, haven't you? Uh, yeah, it hasn't been going good. I think the DM got bored. That sounds about right. Just figured I'd see you because of the circumstances surrounding your personal death, my boy. Pretty, pretty gnarly. Yeah, should, probably should have used frost
1: resistance. I probably should have done a lot of things, but, you know, live and learn.
0: Of course, you know who I am. Oh yeah, God? Yes, in a way. I am Caden.
1: Uh, oh, uh, yeah. Sorry, I wasn't very
0: much the churchgower. Well, I, I understand, Truxton. Anyway, I just figured this would be uh, my only chance to talk to a herald for a moment, but we'll get you on and moving. Uh, your friends, your uh, Greg, are in the realm where you all go when you die. So, as soon as you're ready to go, you can join up with them.
2: Well...
1: You know, to be honest, I'm a little worried about that.
0: Why the hesitation? I, don't feel,
1: I, don't, I just don't feel as if I've really lived a life that was, you know, worthy of a, of a peaceful resting place yet.
0: Well, well, what 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 would you have me do then?
1: Well, I don't know. Can you make me, like, a ghost or something?
0: Well, do you have any attachments back there? It's, typically, that's what a ghost is. Stock unfinished business and whatnot. Did you have any business that you would consider unfinished?
1: Um, well, I've wronged some people I was once very close to, and I would like to, to make that up to them. Sure, you know, you're omnipresent. You know who I'm talking about. What's that
0: name again? It's Navi. <laughs> well,
1: I, I thought you would remember the struct. Oh, well, I told you. I'm a, I'm a piece of shit. That's the
0: point. There is a bit of a problem. Your work as a herald isn't quite done but i might be what do you mean my work work as a herald isn't done things are happening we don't even us as being omniscient don't have quite a handle over it but we see the signs and that's that's why eridan created the place where your friends have gone but i think maybe we do have one task left for you on delari i can send you back But the drama of returning to life in such a manner would be very painful, so unfortunately I'd have to take some of your memories, at least temporarily. Like, what memories are you
1: talking about?
0: It's not a precise science structure.
1: Right, but I mean, that would defeat the whole purpose of going back, But my purpose anyway, if I didn't remember the people I had wronged, for instance.
0: You'll know who you are. I'm sure you'll run into them if... That's what's taken. Yeah, but uh, if
1: I run into her and I'm like, hey, Navi, how's it going? You're beautiful. You know, that's going to that's gonna strike a
0: weird note. Well, we'll just take her completely then.
1: How? Huh, I huh, thought you would be, look, I was one of your most loyal followers.
0: You did do a lot of drugs.
1: True. That's a positive. You know, drugs are pretty affiliated with the religions in a lot of different places. What I'm saying,
0: I like beer, drugs, and foot races. Probably I'll not going to be very good at that. I'll make a deal. Give me four months being back with no memories. Fates have a way of getting people to fulfill their purposes. Fulfill that, and I will give you your chance to make your amends.
1: All right. I've trusted you my whole life. Probably trust you here. His hand moves
0: up, and he twists his twirly mustache as he smiles at the camera. Oh. Ties Truxton to a set of train tracks.
3: Wait a second.
4: (laughs) It was Uh,
5: Galar. A dog is heard laughing off screen. (laughs)
3: That's Poochie from The (laughs) Simpsons. This is a fucking clusterfuck of
0: references.
3: (laughs) We Uh, expect anything else from
0: Truxton. uh, So Caden sits back down and then eventually Truxton just kind of blinks and he wakes up on the ground in the middle of a lush forest. Ow! There's mold on the leaves. It doesn't quite make sense. As far as Truxton's concerned, it's a couple weeks before the or Harvest Festival. That's where his life is. I have entertained my final prophecy. I know not the day or the time. And I cannot do anything to stop it, but in accordance with this vision, I leave behind. This book has a sort of last will and testament. I am to die, and this book and the secrets held within are all I can leave behind. If you can read this text, you are of my chosen, my secret heralds. This book may be passed throughout time, Fates be willing, the information contained within will never be used. I fear this will not be the case. I made a grave error in creating an artifact to help the sentient races thrive. An intent, it was meant to help shape landscapes, make travel, agriculture, development as simple as touching a rod to a bit of earth. Unfortunately, the staff of Golarion has the power to warp almost anything it touches. To counteract this flaw, I split the rod into five pieces of magic, the staff itself and four other parts. Without its counterparts, the staff works as intended. This is why I created my arrows. To guard the magical life and keep my staff at bay.
3: They are. The soldier, the woodsman.
0: The thought. And that
1: deal. Sorry, I just like doing that voice sometimes.
3: Honestly, keep that tape.
5: <laughs> I like it. Do
3: <laughs> 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 we want to do one more take there? So no, we'll,
5: we'll, 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 have a da- we'll, we'll have a Snyder cut three years from that <laughs> <laughs>
6: This is a different type of story. This is a story about coming together. Fathers and sons, sisters, old friends, new enemies, lost loves. While many of these circumstances are joyful, some can never be. On this day, in this episode, it is up to our heroes and in this case all of them, to determine which reunions are worth it and which must be prevented by any means necessary. It might not be so simple, of course. Do you think they can do it? Presenting Episode 100 This Golarian.
0: Reunion. Welcome, everybody, to episode 100 of This Glorious Life.
5: Pop the champagne. <laughs> Pop. Hold
2: oh, <laughs> on, I got a perfect recording for this. Uh, I will, here we go. Oh, hold on, I've got, a, I've got a noise
3: thing for two. Hold on, I'll be right back. Oh, that's this is actually really good Foley
4: work. I would say we got, we got some good Foley work going on. Yeah, that was, that was
2: cool, man. No, don't make bad phony noises, Derek. <sighs> i to yell at you. To drugs. Here, I'll try putting lip balm on. We'll see if that makes any noise.
3: Okay, I have.
2: Welcome to episode 100.
3: No, way,
5: way. Holy
2: shit, that was good.
5: No, way oh. too much burn on that one, Sam. Back off a little bit. I love my... that.
2: I loved that. What if? What if that was the? What if that was the? After
4: Entire everything was...
1: All right, some more Foley work here. I didn't sound
5: as good as I was
4: hoping. <laughs> I mean, All it was a satisfying crunch right.
5: I like that one. We're trying I do the holy work of shaking a can of spray paint into a brown paper bag and sniffing it. It'd be very <laughs> good.
3: <laughs> it would fit because uh, that we would. Be- in <laughs> our own ways. I'm just doing poppers. All right, here we go. I this one. Can what you Not that? Bad?
2: All right. Real talk, Derek. Continue on. I'm getting bored.
0: Yeah, we are very excited about episode 100. Uh, so, just so all the listening audience knows, this will be a three-part episode. Uh, all three. Parts should be online as of right now. I don't buy it. We'll see, Derek. So they'll all be there uh, in theory. So after this one's done, the rest of the story will be continued in parts two and three. Uh, so just check those out when you can. Our adventure begins at a place that we've visited several times so far in this, this uh, show. There are a group of five strangers walking towards a temple on the top of a mountain. The camera pans in, and we find Lorki, Uma, Gregor, Vision, and Julian. It's actually pronounced Vision. Vision. Oh, 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 Walking towards the temple. Over the previous days, Gregor, through whatever connections he has, as
5: Harold Veridon has. You could call it a uh, animal magnet.
0: Not quite what I was going to. That's how uh, I refer to my demeanor with humans. Gregor has uh, something deep in his mind, his heart, has been pulling him towards this temple.
6: An inclination,
0: if you would. Ever since these four people plus Julian have arrived, they all, outside of Julian, of course, knew that they were here for a reason and they didn't know what it was until potentially now. Or what are these people talking about right now as they Reached the summit
5: of the mountain. I
2: really don't get it. You are down on the plane and you died, like the material plane.
5: Well, presumably, but I suppose I don't know for certain. My mind's still a bit clouded.
2: That's fair. Um,
5: how, uh, if you don't mind me asking, how do you get a voice like that?
2: Uh, Julian kind of looks down, and uh, his he takes his scarf that he's wearing. Uh, even though it's not cold outside, kind of lowers it down. And there are massive, there are like heavy lacerations that have been, seem to have been scarred over and healed multiple times on his throat. Oh
5: my goodness, a young man brimming with pain. Mine was always a bit more internal. but Yeah, yeah. it's
2: not pain. We have healing magic in this in this plane. So it, it's, it's not that bad.
4: You know, sometimes
5: you get a voice you don't really want. I'll be honest with you, boy, you're kind of depressing. Let's see what the orc has to say.
4: Gregor, I have told you many times to please leave me alone and to leave the poor boy alone as well. Thank you.
5: Oh, I'm an old man of stories. I love to hear them. But I truth be told, you're not good storytellers. You wanna...
4: You've told plenty of stories for, for all of us. I uh, I
2: do have a quick story, so it is a funny time Oh. Uh, one time we were eating at this tavern and uh, my pot pie was a bit, the, uh, the crust was kind of soggy. And my mother made such a seed. She went up to the area where the cook and the waiter were together and uh, she complained until she got me a new uh, pot pie but it, the funny part is, as as I started eating my fresh, crispy pot pie, hers was old. and got it got soggy. Oh,
5: see, that's what I'm talking
3: about.
4: Uh, Lorky shares a long look with Uma that says a million words.
3: Yes, I can only imagine what kind of hellspawn would have created the boy. Truly, <laughs> from strong stock. <laughs>
2: Lurky well, does laugh uproariously at that. Gosh, you think I bet you should hear my father' his voice. Don't
4: know what I said, <laughs> uh, Fucking worst Clint uh, Jackson uh, I've ever. Uh, heard. J- uh, oh, you young, do know, young him.
5: man, young man. Could you entertain me and attempt to uh, do his voice right now, an impression, if you would? I
2: uh, suppose. I <laughs> <laughs> could try. I <laughs> It's what the is it. it's, oh, God, just growing up with him. Saying his voice, like, that really makes mine hurt.
5: <laughs> oh, you could go a long time with this, but I would to let it go. This is very good. Well, you know, Julian, family is really the one thing you have in this world. In fact, that reminds me. There seems to be a memory creeping in. Would you like to hear about the first time I met my grandson? Well... Great, 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 great grandson, at least. I have a feeling you're
4: going to tell us this story no matter what, so get on with it.
5: Oh, uh, yes. The summoners are well known for their wisdom scores. But yes, you <laughs> are correct.
0: We fade to black as Gregor remembers this importance memory. Night lays heavy, or the Sky Citadel, crack it on But it's not calm. Heavy rain whips in the streets, accompanied by stark flashes of lightning and the constant rumble of thunder. Through a maze-like warren of shuttered shops and residences sits a squatting brownstone, its floral arrangements scattered, and storm windows thundering. on the third floor of this home. An infant gnome rests in his crib, staring out the window, focused on the deluge and light show. A sudden streak of thunder illuminates outside, and... Also a new arrival to the adjoining balcony, A short figure, clad in all black and wearing an insect-like mask, stares back at the infant. The receding light of the skies above eventually rendering all but the eyes of the mask invisible in the darkness. With another sudden flash, the balcony is revealed to be once again unoccupied. The black-clad figure strides towards the crib of the nursery from a wall opposite of the balcony, glaring down at the young gnome, who stares back intently and seemingly without fear, Creature speaks in an unearthly voice.
5: So, you're the one they call Truxton Pendleton. You show great strength not to cry out.
2: Go, 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 go.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The figure removes its mask, revealing the face of an aged gnome with white hair and a long mustache, whose gray eyes suddenly light up with friendly
5: energy. It's a pleasure to meet you, Truxton. I'm Gregor. Your great-great-and-so-on,
0: grandfather. Placing the mask into a small bag on his side, Gregor adjusts the sheathed sabers and reaches down into the crib, retrieving young Truxton and pulling him into a caring embrace. It's
5: not so often I get to see my grandchildren, and even rarer yet that I get to speak with them. Oh! <laughs> better. You're of an age where I need not worry about you running off to your parents and scaring them with stories of your grumpy old grandfather. Now let's take a better look at you. Grandpa.
3: <laughs> Perfect. <laughs>
5: Perfect. I'm in love. He's so precocious.
2: It's <laughs> like whenever you first see
5: He's four days Yoda. out the womb.
0: Four days. <laughs>
5: <laughs> Fucking dones, dude. He doesn't
0: have any ambitions because he's
5: He's high. <laughs> <laughs> He's holding the fucking joint oh, <laughs> uh, My mom did dream.
1: some things she shouldn't
0: have, but she the was
5: Pendleton good. family hotbox, <laughs> a tradition I'm glad to see continue.
2: How do you think Pendleton's give birth?
0: Exactly. <laughs> holding out Truxton's arm's reach, Gregor looks at the infant head to toe, considerately grunting while making his appraisal. Matching the infant's stare, Gregor looks at his grandson in the face with a smile.
5: Well, you seem healthy enough, made of fine Pendleton stock, and you hide the eyes of your great-grandmother, which seems to have skipped a couple of generations.
0: Pulling the child back into a supportive cradle, and Or continues.
5: It's a shame this will likely be the only time we meet. Ill-tiding mar my arrivals to the city, and I fear my time on Galarian is running down. Don't get me wrong, little one. I will miss both my work and seeing the Pendleton clan prosper, but the end comes to all mortals and must be embraced. Indeed, the turning of my life is long overdue. You should, however, prepare yourself, young Truxton. If my dreams are true, you may be taking my place in some fashion, though I know not when or in what form. Furthermore cut off mid ward gregor
0: swiftly turns his head to the nursery door right hand dropping to the sheathed weapon at his side in an instant the door quickly yet silently opens in darts a middle-aged gnomish woman glass vial of some variety in her hand she meets the eyes of gregor who whose stance suddenly lightens his hand now off his saber Smile spreads across his aged face.
5: Truxtina, I'm again left impressed. Over all these years, you're the only one of my progeny who has ever detected my comings and goings.
4: What are you doing here, Grandpa?
5: Visiting my grandson, of course. What are you doing here? Oh, but of course you're probably helping look after him. We both know how his mother can be.
4: Look, I'm not going to deny you that, but but why have you got to come in here in the middle of the night while while the kids sleeping? Show up for him once or twice you know, come to, come visit him on his birthday party, for God's sake.
3: Trust
5: Dina, you know I can't do that. There are many members of this clan who despite my lofty contributions, find my demeanor and lifestyle let's say off putting. But that's you
4: know, you know, the mask doesn't work.
5: Well, the mask isn't on. In effect if you saw me with it on, I would technically have to kill you for it. But that's it is not the
4: point. Right?
5: It is actually in my bag of holding. but you are correct. It is around my neck <laughs> Look, Truxtina, that's I'll jump right to it. I'm here for two reasons. One, I'm a sentimental old fool and I feel as if I'm dying, so
4: White hair, you know, you are bleaching,
5: but... I've been bleached for 200 years. It's only my lifestyle that keeps me going. Jesus Christ. Um, But I'm also here at Kragadon on business. But I figured while in town, I might as well see the newborn and hand over some gifts.
4: So uh, what high-ranking official are you going to kill?
5: Oh, I don't know if he's an official at all. There's some fool in this city who's acquired apparently some sort of significance. I'm to deal with it, but truth be told, Truxtina, something feels off about this mission. Something is telling me that it will be my last. Obviously not due to retirement.
4: Well, for retirement, I understand.
5: That would be the implication, yes. Look, I've brought some things. Pulls out a little box from his bag of holding and hands it to her.
4: Here it's gonna give me some kind of weapon for Truxton. I'm gonna tell you no... Oh, he's, he's bunch an this infant. Before with the last kid that was born to the, the family.
5: That was simply a slingshot, and he was of age. Look, that's not the point. Here, there's obviously some gold in this bag. Disperse it as you see fit. You know that Anthony's business is not doing as well as you would hope, and maybe this can get him through. Uh, there's also a wand with the healing spell in it here. I heard that old Ollie is dealing with some just awful rheumatism. And, uh,. In case that doesn't work, there's a little bit of diamond dust in that bag, a little baggy in there, and I go visit a nice cleric. Gina kind of
4: wipes a, a tear, a single tear, away from like the corner of her eye, like pretending she's like, adjusting her, her eyelashes. Oh, you never do fail to provide for your family, old man.
5: Well, I figure I owe them that much. Lords and gods knows I have not been the greatest father or grandfather.
4: Well, so you couldn't say
5: that. But I have provided. And there's one last thing, Truxtina, you'd humor an old man.
4: Well, I will not. Whatever business you're going to do that kills this guy, if it goes south, I'm not finishing the job for you. I, mean,
5: I no. Oh, uh, Truxtina, I'm sure if I can't do it, you would certainly have no chance. No offense of This is my career. Well, I'm taken it. But two things in case it does go south, as you would say. I've left my alchemy cart outside Anthony's place of business. If you don't see me in about two days, you can go ahead and assume I am deceased, in which case the cart and all its contents are yours. And m- much more importantly, I've also I have a safety deposit box at the First National Bank of Progadon, whatever it's called in this
3: uh,
5: I know. H&R, belong- H&R Brick. In there is a not insignificant amount of gold to make up for the contributions I will no longer be giving and some mementos for my life. Do with all that as you will. I trust you more than almost anybody else in this family, Truxtina. But I do make one specific request.
4: Yes, in, Grandpa.
5: In that box, there is a bag. It's not significant. It's barely magical. But something tells me that when Truxton comes of age, he should have it. It's always brought to me luck and I believe... He'll need all that he can get.
4: Yeah, look how tiny this guy is. Of course, he's going to need some luck.
5: <laughs> it's always she kind of trucks little there. Oh, Truxton, you! I of course love all my grandchildren equally, but
3: oh, you are stop. one of my favorites. Oh,
5: now come here and give old grandpa a hug. Oh, grandpa! Don't don't touch the sword. It will corrupt your mind.
4: Okay, <laughs> <laughs> she, yeah, she lovingly embraces go her uh, she assumes somewhat senile grandfather uh,
3: to be senile and that powerful
2: <laughs> can I just say you could just show up at a birthday party instead of in the middle of the fucking night <laughs> <laughs> won't
4: you play catch. Why didn't you play catch with my father? He's got unresolved trauma. He won't shut the fuck up about.
5: <laughs> no, you take the little one. I must be getting off to business. I'm not really supposed to be doing this off the clock, but well, when you're your own boss, I suppose you can do whatever it is you want, Mama. Indeed. <laughs> it was a pleasure meeting you, young <laughs> Truxton. Perhaps I'll see you somewhere else. Goodbye, Grandpa. Goodbye, I. <laughs> 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 Uh, Gregor gives Little Trucks and a kiss on the forehead. He takes half a step backwards and flashes out of existence. He reappears in the balcony with the mask back on, gives a quick wave then disappears again into the night.
0: Wait. Wait. Several years pass from this moment and although the security deposit box has been drained of the golden valuables, the bag was never touched until one day, three months before the harvest festival of Feandar only one Dwarven man saw it happen and just assumed it was a trick of the eye, but he swears to God, he saw a small little fox walking out of that bank with a burlap sack in his mouth.
4: Uh, that was a, that was a great story, Gregor. Does anyone else want to talk so that I don't have to listen to this gnome? I have a story. Oh, thank God.
3: Yes, I, uh, mentioned before long ago, uh, Whenever I was younger, uh, I was uh, a military commander. Uh, I often, uh, we uh, defended our elven homeland against the, the demon lord, uh, tree raiser. He had corrupted a section of forest and it was quite a bit of work to try and keep all of them at bay. Uh, the first, uh, my mother, uh, she was one of the first waves of elves to go and fight him and uh, passed on to me. I rather fancy myself I, uh, the goddess uh, Phelan. I found myself quite drawn to her, and with my uh, battle training, I I'd rather made myself a good paladin, which uh, made me quite good at uh, banishing the demons and uh, purging the corrupted fay. However, there was a one Fae in particular, vexed me for many years. His name was Dusk Frostshadow. Fae names, am I right? Anyway, uh we met in battle several times uh we always managed to either one up each other but neither of us managed to kill the other uh for years until one fateful day uh they ambushed us and he directly challenged me and i uh well uh, i'm i'm rather good with this sword and i uh i managed to uh find an opening and i uh, cut him down but uh, unfortunately i made one terrible mistake with fay they're rather uh, treacherous, especially the evil ones. Whenever, uh, whenever he sl- was slain with his last breath, he uh, cursed me with something strange. I, I still don't know what he said exactly. I just caught a few bits of Sylvan uh, before he passed. I thought he tried to cast some last spell on me, but um, I didn't feel any different. And upon returning home, I didn't. I, I got checked out and. All the priests said I was fine, so after that, I rather fancied I would uh, have a night on the town and I met a very nice human man, and uh, one thing led to another, and before you know it, uh, there was a prophecy about my daughter uh, being somehow related and powerful to the faith. They never told me the full prophecy, but... I decided to retire from being the Grogoog at that point. It was very nice benefits. I got a nice house in the cottage, a nice house in the cottage, a nice Did cottage you, in the
4: that you got your own plot of land as the Gor-Goog?
3: Yes, it was a nice farm. All are uh, well, That, that, that sounds like farm.
2: a
5: wonderful career. And I
3: suppose you got to live out your
5: life as a fine mother to this fate-touched girl.
3: Unfortunately no. Uh, part of the curse uh, was to wreak uh, my mind of my sensibilities. There was uh, I was to be visited by many small weak fae over time, and they cast many enchantments upon me. And over time, my being retired and not wearing uh, all my magical protections over time, they eventually wore me down, and I slowly felt madness. Luckily, though, in this afterlife form, I have my wits about me again. Ah, oh, a woman devoted
5: to duty. I appreciate that tale, and I weep for the loss of your daughter.
3: I actually heard some good things. She's been up to uh, good things on the material plane. Although I do need to check in on her.
5: Oh, I'm sure she took on some noble career as a doctor or perhaps a lawyer.
2: What's your daughter's name again?
5: Iris. Oh,
2: I feel like I know that name. No, nah, I don't. Its Julian Oster's temple?
5: <laughs> well, we know he's gonna die, though. Thanks for the plot reveal, Derek. <laughs> Damn it.
2: Sorry. I don't mean to be that person, but you you talked about how, you know, you were glad Gordud didn't want to tell another story. You could stop him again if you had a story. You make a good point. Um, are we, uh, you, Julian winks at uh, Gregor.
5: I was about to tell you about how I ended the Goblin of
4: course. I'll tell my story. It may be in a bit of a different perspective than Uma's. So we find ourselves on the edge of a forest as night is beginning to fall and the air is heavy with rain. Low thunder rumbles in the distance and the forest creatures littered throughout the scene scurry back to their homes to weather the coming storm. One animal remains, hiding within the tangled branches of a birch tree. The snake has been there for some time, watching the pile of flesh twitching on the edge of the forest. It is confused as to why the pile was dumped there a few hours ago by men in spikes and chain mail. But with the coming storm, it seems safe to investigate and the long green snake slithers closer to the new addition to the forest. On closer look, Pile of Flesh is a young half-orc girl, barely alive. Bruises and cuts cover her body, and her right leg seems to have been crushed by something heavy. The snake circles around the girl, sliding over her leg, investigating the wound, as the unconscious half-orc raggedly breathes slower and slower. Drifting off to an eternal sleep. Watching intently, the snake circles about the girl, sliding over her leg, investigating the wound as the unconscious half-work raggedly breathes slower and slower, drifting off to an eternal sleep. Watching intently, the snake begins slithering away, its head seemingly bowed in respect, until a bright light bursts forth from the girl. Shimmering, wi- Shimmery wings encircle her body, protecting her from the now falling rain until, almost as quickly as they came, they fizzle out. The snake moves back and its scaly form begins contorting, growing legs and fur and bones to become a large mountain cat that awkwardly jostles the dying girl onto its back and runs into the forest, lightning slashing the sky above. Time passes and we're in a small hut deep within the forest where there's a half-orc girl limping around a modest kitchen, hanging up herbs to dry while an older
0: catfolk woman is cooking above a fire. Barky, you should you should rest. We've been on all day, and it shows.
4: The half-work girl is quiet, but slowly sits down, taking the weight off of her leg. A year, few years have passed since Anha found her left for dead at the edge of the forest. She had barely survived the horrific beating that the slavers who held her had enacted. Lurky still woke up, sweating, phantom pains in her leg, worried that being rescued by the druid was a vision she clung to as she danced on the cusp of death over and over if I could change into animals like you, I, I wouldn't have to worry
0: about this wound. I I only did what I could. I'm not as skilled with healing as I could be. I, I'm into the ball. It's up to you and the rest to stretch and heal and care of yourself. Lorky didn't
4: push the issue. She knew that Anha preferred silence in the hut while they worked that the catfolk wanted a peaceful existence with the nature around them. But Lorky burned with the need to return to where she came from, to dole out justice to those who had hurt her and to all of the other children in the camp she had been enslaved in. Anha had told her once about the shimmering wings, and on nights when Lorky didn't have nightmares, she dreamed of an angel, a creature with wings and a giant sword that saved Lorky from the wooden club wielded by the man who broke her leg.
0: You know, Lorky, being a druid isn't something I can quite teach you. I was just gonna say, was pushing the issue once again. Just born into some people, you know? And you can learn how to master it if you have it, but I, I don't think you have it, Lorky. It's not your fault. It's just some people they, they don't have it.
4: But but the wings. Lorky was tying a boltice around her leg to help numb the soreness from a long day of gathering food. You you said I summoned wings. I, I could be a druid. You haven't even tried to see if I if I have it.
0: I, I just don't want to make you relive what you went through. It's enough that you survive. It's, it's got to be enough that you're alive.
4: Well, it's not. You, you protect this forest as best you can, but, but I don't want people to live through what I live through. It's not it's not enough that I'm alive. I have to make sure that others can be alive, too. Anna is quiet for a very long time, but nods finally and gestures to Lurky to follow her outside. Anyone watching the front yard of their hut would see weeks of Anha demonstrating various druidic magic to Lorki and the half-orc trying to mimic it with minimal results. A few sparks or flashes of light appeared when Lorki tried to cast spells, but nothing seemed to blossom. The endeavor is abandoned, with winter passing calmly, and the forest maintaining its stasis. One spring night, Lorky wakes from a nightmare, sweating profusely as thunder rumbles across the horizon. It felt so similar to the night she had almost died. Something about the air, the humidity, the sound. It wasn't like most thunderstorms she had weathered. Rushing outside, her heart racing, her breath catching, she began panicking in the front yard, gulping in thick air. A crack of lightning whipped the darkness and she screamed as a feeling of power washed over her. Lorky looked behind her, and shimmery wings reached above her head, protecting her from the storm. She pushed upwards and took flight, before the sudden realization of what was happening washed over her and the wings disappeared. Lorky laughs as she drops into the muddy grass below, feeling like she's alive again, and that the nightmare would never reach her. Years pass, and there are rumors of an angel that appears on battlefields. An angel that meets out justice and fights for those who are downtrodden. A few discerning individuals noticed that the day before the angel arrives, there is always a half-orc woman that comes to whatever area was under duress. She was quiet and respectful, with basic healing potions to sell. Those that recognized the pattern kept their mouths shut, assuming she was a scout or acolyte for the angelic warrior. Lorky knew that she was a herald of Aridin. She knew that she had been chosen when one druid had reached out to Anha, passing on an old artifact, an antique locket that only one gifted with Aroden's blessing could wield. She kept it on at all times as a reminder of the thoughts that had empowered her to become the Herald that helped those who could not defend themselves. In her later days, she became aware of another Herald and her dreams took her to a place where an elven woman birthed a child. And so Lorkey wrapped the locket away and gave it back to the aging on her telling her the name of the student-to-be successor to the current thought and passed it through the network of druids that had brought it to Lorchie in the first place. Her leg had started hurting again, this time due to aging and constant years of combat. She was looking forward to hanging up her sword and living out her final years in the forest that she had been reborn in.
5: How's that for a story, Gregor? Bring a tear to my eye, Les. Your quest for justice. Rockadile tears. I see myself in you. Oh my. Well,
2: as I gotta say, that was. Um, that's. Gosh. I guess we all have died here, haven't we? It's kind of true. a different way.
5: Oh, well, that was the fifth year I served the goddess Vishnu.
2: Oh my god,
4: he's talking to someone. Any. You.
5: You know, I was something of like a paladin myself.
3: Oh my god. <laughs> I don't entirely true, but I think it would be a good story. Well,
5: how would you define a paladin? I served the gods. Well, of course, I like, just about that. I was a simple potion salesman, but... I don't remember much of my life,
1: but I do remember a few things.
0: Vision finds himself in a state of complete darkness. It's cold, but not deathly cold. In a way, you feel like it's not even, like, the cold temperature. It's just, you're spiritually cold.
1: Hey, uh, it's not the temperature, it's
0: the humidity. In the distance, you see a speck of light that is getting closer and closer. Oh my god, the lord's coming to take me. And closer until it reveals itself as a white shining stag. Vision, my child, seems as if your time is done. Aye, are you up a us In a way. I guess. Harry Potter hasn't been invented yet, so I don't understand that reference. (laughs) I will in several years, and then I will pretend I don't because of the terrible things.
5: I share many views with the author, in fact. (laughs) Oh, of
0: course you do, (laughs) beggar. I'm just trying to figure out what to do with you. Oftentimes, your lot doesn't don't enter... What
1: do you mean, my lot?
0: Runner of a Thieves' Guild... Oh. oftentimes you're not the ones to worship me and oftentimes you're not the type to get into my domain so what do you have any sort of defense why Why are you in why did you lead the thieves guild
1: listen everything you do in life you're a thief in one way or another I think I'm just more honest about it than
0: most is there any, any sort of redeeming quality to what you did absolutely
1: I redistribute wealth in my own way, I don't think... You have to You have to consider, I'm small beans compared to the thieves that are out there that are fleecing people even though they don't even know it.
0: Right out of Australia, this.
6: Ah, shit.
1: I <laughs> There's a kangaroo in my Subaru. Jesus Christ. Beautiful.
5: <laughs>
1: yeah, the point being that everybody is sort of guilty of some of the same things What matters is whether or not you keep close with your family and your community, and I think nobody could accuse me of not doing
0: that. This community is very important to me. How did you keep close with your community?
1: Well, I would always share in the in the proceeds of my no, oh god damn it, I'm doing Australian again. <laughs> Actually, let me tell you, I did most more thieves' guild in Australia, and let me tell you, when I was over there, oh, I pulled off some whopper jobs.
3: <laughs> Um, and that's our broadcast week. Oh.
1: Okay, here we go. Now I'm back. Um, no, the point I would. I would pull off jobs and redistribute that wealth amongst my people. Oh no, I'm going back already. Basically, here's what I do. <laughs> Four
5: words. Four words It. Grounds keep away. Um.
0: <laughs> oh, god damn
1: I think I've explained myself well enough
0: <laughs> <laughs> Can we retcon that he's Australian? <laughs> I think it's probably like 80 episodes too late But I guess No, hold on, hold
1: on, hold on I can do this, I can do this I need to just find like a phrase to center myself
3: um, Sound like Gerard Butler
1: Donkey! Oi, you're having a point Alright Maybe Don't for thought to Maybe if I maybe if I talk like this it'll help I'm changing my voice up. Sorry. I'm now remembering some of the dark deeds I've done, so I'm <laughs> talking in a lower voice. But the point is those dark deeds show light on my people. You've got a
0: particular set of skills.
1: Yes. I'm excellent to kidnapping.
0: Liam Neeson I think is better than Australian for the purposes of <laughs> <laughs> um.
1: I considered everybody in the community to be a part of my family. No, I wouldn't. <laughs> redistribute the, oh God.
6: <laughs> this is, this is impossible. Hold, on. Hold on,
1: shut up. I considered everybody in my community to be part of my family. I know they would redistribute everything I got. There are those who thieve in ways that, there are people like me who steal, honestly. But then there are people who pull at levers that they aren't even close to. And these levers affect millions. Whereas mine, my jobs I pull off, it affects only me. In my community and those I'm stealing from, and I promise you, I am particular about picking my targets.
0: You say you say you want to connect. You have interest in family, but you've convinced several young men to leave their family and strike out on their own.
1: One. Well, surely, as a member of a of a religious organization, you probably. Oh God! Well, surely, as a member as a member of a religious community, you understand that. Family is not just blood. Family is a set of values that you share, and a desire to make things easier for everybody.
0: Can you tell me about the taller boy?
1: The taller boy?
0: Greg Tuller?
1: Ah, he's good stock. He, uh, sorry. He's, uh, he's taken after me quite well. He's quite the woodsman at a young age. I left him in the woods for a week by himself, with only a filter so he could drink his own piss.
5: (laughs) And he survived!
3: (laughs) <laughs> no! No! Jeez, shit! No! No! Greg just having a flashback Was that mentoring or child <laughs> abuse? <laughs> I guess I
0: only have one more question before I let you go Do you think the taller boy would be capable of taking over for you In your duties as the woodsman?
1: Look, you're a god, I'm not going to tell you what to do But I will say, the taller boy, excellent woodsman one time I left him in the woods for over a week with only a filter so he could drink his own piss and he survived it.
0: Yes, I heard you say that before. Oh
1: shit, I'm sorry, my memory is short. Anyway, no, yes, he's he's a good one to he's a good one to handle it. He's a resourceful kid. He's a he's a, like you, a lover of family. Unlike the other heralds,
0: the woodsman is more driven by individuality and intuition, so it's always been the job of the previous woodsman to name his successor. So if you say Tuller is it...
1: Oh, you won't believe this, kid.
0: One time? Oh, I I understand. The the piss thing again, yes, Vision? I I will let you pass where you're going. Well, there's some business you need to finish. And then the stag bearer still floats away, and Vision wakes up at a campfire surrounded by three other people he doesn't know. I, Vision,
4: I cannot believe your disrespect of our god.
1: What do you mean? How would you talk to him?
4: I would have told him of my respect for him and of the justice that I gave in his oh, name. Jesus.
1: He's a god. He doesn't want to get his dick sucked all day. He can do that with
4: drugs. <laughs> Jesus.
5: On a somewhat related note, are you all aware that some claim... I- that gnome piss has hallucinogenic properties. I hope oh, not, you stuff. have
3: heard this so many times, please. Are, no, I, any you,
5: are any of you gnomes just asking well, for... Well,
2: yes,
3: uh, <laughs> you
5: can probably tell from my four-foot demeanor and spiky hair. I thought you were a dwarf. I would kill you on the spot if you were not already. Oh, thank <laughs> God, he's not a dwarf.
2: Uh, I'm sorry, I've never, I've never seen a dwarf or a gnome in real life, so... How have you managed to do that? Oh, well, my parents weren't exactly,
3: uh...
2: They kind of kept me, I guess, sheltered, for lack of a better word.
5: Well, let me ask you, your mother, aside from harassing the staff at Applebee's, what does she do for a living?
2: So, you know, you talked about how there are women who, well, people, not all Norgalburg clerics are women, just all the ones I've met. They, uh, my mom's very complicated I think she wants the best for me. Well, I say that yet, this is going to sound weird. Do it if you have, like, unresolved trauma from a previous babysitter. Jesus
1: Christ, man, clear your throat. Have you been hitting the buck fast for your entire life?
4: <laughs> uh,
2: no. I I literally
4: just told my story. Obviously, I have unresolved trauma about dying quite young. Gosh,
2: well, speaking of unresolved trauma from a babysitter... <laughs> I, uh... And tell me if everybody else experienced this, because I I really don't know if this is normal. He goes on to describe a, like a sort of scene, a scenario where he's walking down the forest with his babysitter, a taller woman, he doesn't name her. And though he is very young, maybe five, six, it's a long dirt road filled with woods on each side. Uh, this is the only road into town where Julian lives. And as she's walking with him, she keeps asking him weird questions. Questions such as, you know, is there anybody you don't like? How would you want to get rid of them? They continue walking along until a corner hits. And on the ground is a long brown horse laying there, currently blood pooling from his neck, just on the ground. Oh, um, this is
0: a good lesson for you, Julian. I want you to watch it. Watch the blood leave its body. Watch the life leave its eyes. If you want to be something, you need to see this.
2: Julian, very confused, five-year-old, kind of gets tired standing, watching the horse trying to gasp for breath, kind of clogging its throat, the blood dripping into its lungs. And he watches as slowly the horse stops breathing. Does it? Does it hurt anymore?
0: Not in its physical form, no, Julie. But the pain was what made its life worth it. We all strive for, in this world, pain that makes things make sense, make things worth it. Is there anybody in your life, Julian, that causes you pain?
2: Julian turns to the horse and starts to bite his lip. Time passes, and Julian is pretending to be asleep, hearing an argument in the kitchen. No, we cannot. We cannot have her here again. She made him watch a horse die. That is ridiculous. It's not ridiculous. The kid needs to learn about death if he ever wants to survive in this world. I mean, shit. Shit, Jack. Like, you, you've killed so many people. Simone, you cannot. Simone, you know, I don't like that. Just call me Penny. That's my name. Uh, you want me to change your name from when we first met? Why? Again, again, again. You know, I hate Taldori That's not what we're arguing about. Jack, look. Listen to me. She is good for him. We need someone. He, he has to have someone who will teach him this stuff. I'm at work every day. I'm going about and trailer well, then I will do it. Anything to get her off out of here. <sighs> Fine, dearest. Just you watch him. I, I trust you. I just don't. Just try to keep your religious fantasies of Shelley and out of his head. I understand that you have found a better way to live, but he doesn't need that right now. He needs consistency. He needs training. He needs the future in front of him. Penny, he is he is five. No, he's five, but he needs he needs to learn. They continue on talking and then start discussing supper for the next couple days. And time passes, a month, two months, and waking up, hearing yelling,
0: What do you mean?
2: You were supposed to watch him. Look, look, look. I, I had something to do. That is all it was. I just, I had to go do it. I'm so confused. You said you would watch him, and you let the five-year-old learn. I thought the five-year-old was supposed to learn and was supposed to have a better future. That is not the same case. Do not yell, you'll wake him up. Oh, I'm sorry, is my voice too loud? I'll just be quieter now. Maybe that's better. The argument continues, keeping Julian awake. Flashes go by as Jack leaves with Julian. They go on a adventure where they both go hungry. They dodge from town to town, avoiding Penny. And then they separate when Julian is old enough. Julian and Jack met, left each other, and then met again in some of the best times they had. That all changed when time passes. After all of that's over, currently sitting at a tavern, Julian is sitting across from Simona, a few drinks in at a, this lovely bar and things are lively, things are calmer than what really belongs in Julian's life. He's sitting there and drinking and eating with Simona. Julian starts the conversation. So I, I had to leave. It was just part of... Part of what, Julian? You have to realize just ever since I was little, They constantly would just bicker and bicker. I got so tired of it. It didn't help that my dad had this weird fixation on my voice saying, oh, Shelly going to love it when you grow up. Or my mother who wanted me to learn how to quell people and get them to do what they like. I don't know why they were so focused about it. It's just they constantly... They they constantly told me how to live my life, and I don't know, it's just so annoying. Just both of them.
0: Julian, what do you not like about your parents?
2: They, oh, gosh, I... My father, He he acts like he has everything under control... And yet whenever things hit the fan, he always falls through. He doesn't ever stick with it. Like we left my my mother who always provided for us and he didn't even have a plan. But I don't blame him almost for being with my mother. I mean, she wasn't even honest about who she was to us. And like the moment she told Jack about it, he obviously got upset that apparently they're antithetical to each other. with Whatever that means, she, he didn't like the way she worshipped. He said it wasn't the right way. Uh, Who did your mother worship? Oh, oh she worshipped Norgeber. I don't get it. I never did. Norgaber never...
0: That Norgaber, Huh. I... It's shocking. I,
2: I know. Like, why would she even exist with uh, almost a priest of Shelyan? Like that doesn't make any sense. Like, why she, she knows better, and and she would just exist. That I'm honestly, Jack is the same. He he would go about and live the way he does, and right under his nose, his wife would be out committing tax fraud or something. I don't know whatever whatever Norgalburg clerics do, but they're they're basically the same in this sense. They no no real. Oh.
0: How are they alike?
2: Uh, How are they? They're they're so selfless. Like like Penny, she constantly talks about uh, gaining wealth and knowledge to protect her and her family. And Jack is doing the same thing, but does it through, I don't know, fucking song? Like, I don't know. Like, apparently he could dance or something. And that's how he got money for a while. And I don't want you to ask any details at that. But they're both so... Selfless, I, 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 uh, bartender, bartender, could grumble, grumble, grumble. Can I get another drink, please? <clears throat> thank you, thank you.
0: By the way, kid, I'm probably not any of my business, but you might consider a uh, career in bardship. That—that's ah, a beautiful voice you got there.
2: Thank you. Um, very nice of you to say.
0: Well, I'm gonna go back to pouring drinks. Goodbye. Goodbye. What the fuck? He was just giving you a compliment. Is that I don't? You? I
2: don't want him to compliment on my voice. I'm just sick of it. I'm sick of it. I don't. I I literally just want to be left alone. I just I don't know. Maybe it's just because of my parents, and I don't get them at all. They just care about their
0: other people. And... So are you saying you only care about yourself?
2: No, I'm not. Oh my goodness. No, it's not about caring about yourself. It's this idea that this you know, caring about other people is somehow a golden standard. Uh, This is not, this is just ways to bring us pleasure in life. When you see someone and you make them feel good, you feel good yourself as if that's some aspiration. And as this, like this altruistic idea is anything to like move towards, whatever the reality is, you just want to be feeling better. And the simple point is on this plane, we don't, you know, Simone Zankuthon talks about this a lot that our mortal wounds and flesh only prepare us for what's
0: moving on what's moving on julie
2: the the pain the, the scars that we get they they only prepare us for the the, the next stage the next level in life the the, the whenever whenever we harm ourselves and gain the discipline it, it teaches us not to recoil at this fear this like guttural internal fear that drives them to go on and it just holds us back we moving on from our mortal more, from living is it that's how Zahn Puthan moves on into his goal of perfection and that's the only way is if we we have we have to train ourselves to not fear it, so when the moment comes, we won't be afraid to move on.
0: Julian, I I want you to get some rest. Clear your head. In the morning, I have somebody I want you to meet.
2: Yeah, and um, I guess that, uh, that meeting didn't really go well as I'm here, but... Here we are and finally that voice is fucking taken care of. But that's that's besides the point. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. You gosh. have an
4: interesting set of parents. Oh my god. I'll gosh. just leave it at that.
2: Oh you don't have to, I'll just complain about them at every case. Well
4: I I figure
5: you're much god. like Gregor in that way. Oh uh, <laughs> Gregor puts down his uh, funky smelling oh cigarette. God. You know, Julian, it all makes sense now. Father worship Shelly. Mother worship Morgabur You're driven to passion. You know not which direction to go, so you go towards hatred. I understand it. Thank you for that. It oh, took shut a lot.
2: Hey look, I, I I understand. Let me let me defend Gregor. Let me defend Gregor. Um I to be completely honest, I grew up in a house. Filled with petty comments, it's nothing new. <laughs> and I elbow Greg War.
5: Oh, hey, you're gonna, I'm gonna drop this shit.
2: Oh, sorry, sorry. It's, you know, it kind of feels like home, you know? Have you ever felt bad about not having your pillow fully in the pillowcase? Petty parents do shit to you, man. I and, uh,
4: never used a pillowcase. Oh, it's good. Well, I'm, it's, I'm, uh, I'm almost gonna, too poor to
2: afford one.
0: Oh, I'm sorry, that sucks. As the conversation kind of spins down, uh, the party arrives at the doors of the Temple of Aroden on top of the mountain. And as they're walking through, they move through four different corners and find suspiciously that gemstones that are there to unlock the door to the final goal have been removed. They're just not there anymore. And narration appears over basically the montage of them searching it was my biggest mistake however to trust trust somebody with the staff i thought this man my creation was close confidant one that i could trust one that would follow what i what i believed what i thought i instructed him to believe but It all went bad. This plane you are on is not only a plane where you can learn to grow, but this plane is a prison, a security deposit box. I have a temple, and my greatest mortal foe is held there along with the first piece of the staff. If these things are ever to get out, it could mean destruction. The party approaches the final room of the Temple of Aridin. They manage to get the door open and what they find inside is not Galarian. Is not the staff of Galarian. It is an empty room covered in claw marks with an altar at the front That is completely empty Shit hmm. this, is, this is unfortunate We find across the plane Gorgug studying the book And a paragraph appears That He's never read before If you are capable Of reading this book In its entirety Then you no longer find yourself On the material plane you are in a plane, I cream. It is a place where the heralds go when they pass on and they leave their tasks unfinished. Hopefully no herald will ever have to set foot here. Hopefully no herald will ever find the need to read this book. But if you are, and you can, you have work left to do. And that's the end of part one of episode 100. We'll see you back here for part two.
4: Ooh-woo! All, All right, right
0: we'll real
2: quick, I'm gonna